I'm Katie. Welcome to Talking With Cancer. Thanks so much for being here. I started the podcast back in February 2022 when I was diagnosed with a rare type of thyroid cancer called hobnail. And it was a way to keep my close friends and family up to date with my diagnosis and treatment. And that's evolved into what is now season three, where each week it's me plus a guest discussing all things about cancer. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Welcome back to episode three of Talking With Cancer. It's lovely to have you again, or if you're new, lovely to have you for the first time. I chat to such a lovely woman this week. Her name is Carly Musa, and she is a wellness coach and to be discussed, a social media influencer. I thought this was quite an interesting topic, actually, because when I got diagnosed with cancer, I was very unactive on social media. I had an Instagram page, which was just pictures of my dog, Monty. I hadn't looked on Facebook for about five years. Yeah, I just wasn't really engaged in anything social media related. I got my diagnosis and my best friend said to me in those early days, you know, there's a lot of cancer patients on social media and they are showing a very different side to cancer than you might expect. There are people having chemo and dancing down hospital corridors. There are women showing off the wigs that they're wearing. There are all different types of people doing all sorts of really positive, upbeat things. And other people on there talking really openly and honestly about how difficult life is. I kind of turned my nose up a bit at first and I thought, why would I engage in that? You know, like, it's a bit too close to the bone, I guess, is how I probably felt underneath. But actually, there's a lot to be said about, like, what you can discover on social media in that cancer world. And I've connected to lots of different people. Different people have connected to me. They've listened to the podcast and then they've come and found me on Instagram or they follow me on Instagram and they reach out. And that's really, really lovely. But I think there's an interesting discussion around that as well, because sometimes you can go down a rabbit hole and it can be really difficult, actually. And you are exposed to a lot of very harsh realities about what people are going through and illness and how that plays out. So I thought it would be good to chat to Carly because, you know, she's been on social media for a really long time, pre-cancer diagnosis, even though cancer was very much a part of her life because her mother had breast cancer and sadly died of breast cancer 12 years ago. And I believe her mother's mother had breast cancer as well. And so, yeah, there's a lot in her life that predated the cancer diagnosis that was social media related. And so we have a really nice chat. We talk about the pros and cons and the highs and lows and also where the brands have a responsibility if they are reaching out to these influencers and what that could and should look like so we'll play the interview and i hope you like it and i'll chat to you again afterwards i am really excited today to have a lovely guest this week carly Musa. 
Musa. Musa. And Carly is a wellness coach and a writer and to be discussed an influencer. But that's quite topical because that's what I want to discuss with you today. But I'm also okay. going to read out what's on your bio because there's loads there. It's lovely. Okay. You've described yourself as a pocket full of love coach, life after triple negative breast cancer, writer, less fear, more fierce, mother of two, wife of at Keep Em Quiet. That's a lot. <laughs> Welcome. It's so nice to have you, Carly. Thank you so much Thank for being you. here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it is a lot. When you read it like that, maybe I have to reword it. <laughs> Lovely. It's all really positive and you've got lots of nice emojis next to everything, which I yeah. love. <laughs> I love an emoji. Big emoji fan. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't love an emoji? When so, you yeah. can't find the words, they just, you know, they Are sum you... it up, right? Where were we without emojis? <laughs> I know, especially that one where the head's exploding. I use that one a lot. Like, ah! <laughs> Yeah, so thank you so much for coming on today. I think thank you for having me. There are lots of things that we could discuss, but I wanted to particularly focus on exactly what I said whilst introducing you, that kind of to-be-discussed title of influencer and social yeah. media ultimately. Okay. So can you just share a little bit about your background and then how the social media stuff has come about, please? Sure. So as it says, kind of, as you were reading my bio, wife of that, keep them quiet. So I went public on Instagram. I used to just, I say just, but just be private and, you know, past jobs. We believe we might have crossed paths. I used to be a talent agent. I worked for a charity, all fine, private, private. And then my husband set up a company called Keep Em Quiet, um, which is ultimately travel packs for kids. And so that really needs to be in that parenting market. And I had two young kids at the time. My little girl had just been born. My son was like maybe almost three. So I went public, started to blog for Keep Em Quiet. I've always loved writing. It's something I've, you know, I feel very passionate about. Kind of entered this world of mummy bloggers, which... I think we will get to this, but you don't know there's so many worlds on social media to enter until you you enter it, okay? So suddenly I'm in this mummy blogger parenting world and there's amazing events going on and, and things like that and I'm connecting with people. So ultimately I started to use social media in that way and realized the power of connecting. I have really great friends from that period of time and having been a talent agent, networking and things and chatting to people is something, you know, my husband wasn't going to be going to the mummy events. He, you know, now actually there's quite a big daddy blogger scene, but at the yeah. time it was very much, you know, mother's meetings, all that kind of stuff. And whilst in that world, again, I say I like writing, I would write about I, my mum died of breast cancer 12 years ago now. And that was quite a big part of what I would write about too. Like mothering without a mother was a big part of how I'd share. Um, her dying of breast cancer and breast cancer awareness. So it was all kind of there, grief chat, a mix of everything. But ultimately I was public. So it wasn't like I was new to social media when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And then my life took that turn. And so I was diagnosed with breast cancer in December, 2019. And it was very much a, a chat with my husband, like, what do we do now? You know, I already was raising awareness hanging out of a window in a pink bra like for breast cancer now I've got it it was a very firm decision that I will use my account to share what I'm going to face and through it kind of hopefully find that kind of cathartic feeling of writing and connecting and um, so that's in a nutshell how my social media has kind of progressed I would so say. So it sounds like you had some contact and connection with 
what I call the social media cancer community or just the cancer community. It doesn't have to be the social media. So you're yes. already in, having some connection there. So when I was diagnosed, I, I think some people get diagnosed and they go on social media to find people. I already had friends through going to some events that really true dear friends that were already in the breast cancer, you know, breast cancer stage four women who are still I'm so close with. I'd met Deb's Bow Babe at a few events already. I had, I didn't quite know the extent of the cancer community on social media, but there was, I'll say like that day of, oh my God, I've got breast cancer. Who do I reach out to? There was a, a handful of people, of women that I was able to message that day and be like, oh my gosh, like, what do I do? Help type thing. So That's really amazing, actually, that you already had people yeah. to turn to who understood exactly yeah. what you were going through. That's really interesting. So from that time where it was the mummies and a bit of the cancer community, and then very sadly, you yourself discovered mm. you had breast cancer. Did you then kind of switch your sort of strategy? I mean, I'm not saying it was even conscious, but did you then delve really deeper into that world? Or did you kind of go between the two, merge the two? I would say that my social media has always been very much an insight into my mind. It's quite chaotic. There is really no, no kind the bio, of... Lots of yeah. You're lots of different things. I'm um, not saying the bio is chaotic, but, but exactly, you are so clearly people, lots of different things. People really niche in, you know. I've got amazing friends who really just the focus is, let's say, menopause after cancer, an amazing friend doing that area. I've got friends, you know, talking about, you know, there's just niching down I just yeah. I haven't niched down who knows if I will but at the minute it was like I would say my account was always reflective of where my headspace was at that day and when you're diagnosed with cancer your headspace is cancer suddenly everything you know you yeah. know what that's like diet your appointments are cancer everything is that so I would say it was just organic it was organic as to where my headspace was at and it's been like that ever since it wasn't a set like every single post is going to be about cancer but cancer became my life then the pandemic happened a few months in so then it was cancer and the pandemic and so it's just always been a bit of a diary I'd say more than more than a strategy as to what I'm going to talk about so yeah so that's kind of what happened and I started to I guess write about what chemo was like and then thoughts around my surgery and just carried on like that and now mm. it's a bit more like trying to utilize I guess lessons learned from what I went through I built up a bigger following from when I was diagnosed so a lot of those people are in the cancer community or have cancer or follow me because they love someone that had cancer so even though I'm living life after cancer now it still plays quite a big part because I think I don't know I guess I feel not a duty, that's probably the wrong word, but, you know, to share that it's going to be okay. I like that's kind of where I'm at. at yes. This. I mean, you have that very, a bit like me, a very positive outlook generally. That doesn't yes. mean every day is rainbows and sunshine, but you are a glass half full oh. kind of person. Exactly. And so obviously people can gravitate towards that. You've talked about, yeah, maybe wanting to help in some way or, but how actually do you engage? Is it that you respond to people that come to you? Are there meetups in real life? Do you find people in real life, you know, on the kind of chemo ward and then you connect social? Is it mm. lots of different avenues or? I would say 
it's such a mix. I mean, in terms of the cancer community, especially during COVID, it was very much like pen pal. There wasn't meetups. So wow. really yeah. that was taken away. And I think had it not been the pandemic, I would have met people earlier going through maybe chemo at the same time or whatever it was, but it's a whole mix of things. And I think once you start talking and then people respond and they're like, oh, I'm triple negative too, or I'm having chemo as well. Like you start to message it back and then you'll kind of get familiar. Then eventually it's always that funny thing if you're in private on Instagram, because I was messaging back and forth with, you know, sadly, um, we became very close, but she's one of, we will talk about this as well, like the, the social media elements so that you connect with people and then they, some of them don't you know live and die and all of that stuff and so one of my friends she was private on Instagram we really connected though we'd message probably daily like all the time constant back forth back forth so eventually it was like I think now we've messaged enough that I can add her as a friend even though she's private because you know it's it's that different thing of like if you're public you can follow anybody you can just click that follow button you know that, that it's fine to do that so I guess it's just about energy and connection and you just find people that you you have Mm. more more of that with and um there's so many people on social media you can't forge relationships with absolutely everybody I try my best to always have my dms open and to chat to people and sometimes that becomes more of a deeper friendship and other times it's very much just comments here and there but it's it connects you with people all over from like it's an amazing way to not feel alone I think a lot of the time because I suppose of your position or the way you position yourself, you talk about yourself as a, as a coach as well. Do you feel a pressure to kind of offer help or advice or like pearls of wisdom? I trained as a wellness coach in February of this year. Oh, congratulations. Thank wow. you. So I did a psychology degree many moons ago. It's always something, you know, this area of, I guess, talking therapy I've had so much talking therapy in my lifetime so Mm. I've always known the power of allowing people space to kind of talk be heard be seen like you said about the glass half full that's not something to kind of take for granted I think and I think by sharing I realized that that what came naturally to me as an approach to how I want to see things isn't necessarily how something that other people find easy I've had a long history of not finding that approach to life easy too. I have had depression, anxiety, eating disorders when I was younger. So like I said, again, it's this organic thing that by sharing, by approaching cancer in the way I did, by now approaching life after cancer in the way I do, it was a natural thing to realize that I was by default helping people. And then it was like, okay, well, how can I do this in a more structured way I guess and yeah so now I veered down that coaching route I would love to eventually again time thing I need Mm. to kind of focus but yeah help more people going through stuff I'm about to start a support group with Future Dreams which is a breast cancer charity I really love and support um with BRCA BRCA1 BRCA2 community to kind of offer that kind of support out I think it's just for me it's all about if I can connect with people if I can help people if I I've had people come up to me that have said I've helped them with health anxiety not even anything to do with cancer or you know going through a dark time in their life and I think it is that general thing I can't always be just cancer because that's not life now I'm really hoping I've got a long life ahead that isn't isn't cancer but at the same time 
breast cancer is always going to be a part of me. I've had it. My mum had it. Her mum had it. Like, I will mm-hmm. always advocate for awareness and research. And there's a chance my kids might have the bracket one G mutation. We won't know yet. So it's part of who I am, but it's not yeah. everything about. And I imagine there's also, which I've touched on in the podcast before, there's a really in itself there's a difficulty in coming out of having had cancer and that transition and that yeah. rehabilitation almost which you know we could again do a whole episode on absolutely yeah. so you've touched on breast cancer and future dreams and that's another my experience you know very very different obviously to yours in the type of cancer that I have but what I often find is there is no one out there with with what I have. And even the thyroid cancer world, it doesn't really gel with me. But what I feel is that there are definitely certain cancers, particularly breast cancer, that's really well represented, really proactive. And I guess the obvious reason why is because it's a more common cancer. But Mm. do you think that there's room for all the cancers out? You know, yeah. yeah. Do you think it's like just because you've had breast cancer, you know, the experiences and the feelings aren't going to differ that much to mine. So it's no. very interesting that we try to bracket cancers, but actually there's so much more in common. And yet there's other areas of a cancer you can feel totally isolated in. Someone asked me, how does it feel having a very rare cancer? And I said, I've, I don't know any different, you know. Exactly. It's all you've known. And I think you hit the nail on the head there where you said that Yes, it's nice to connect, to find somebody, if you were to find somebody that had your rare form of cancer, but ultimately hearing the words, you've got cancer, any type of cancer, it thrusts you into this world. And I think that I have connected with people with all different types. And I never think, I actually never think, oh, you've got blood cancer, you've got, you've had brain cancer you know whatever it is it's just we know that uncertain world of having something that strips you of the identity that you had before you heard those words navigating life after treatment after with hope with all that stuff I think that it it actually I'm going to an event on Sunday you said we have a lot in common just having cancer it's called cancer in common it's for anybody and you go into this space and there's been one event so far it's run by an amazing friend of mine called Chloe and the atmosphere in that room was so incredible because it was just a whole load of people brought together ultimately we had a really fun like boozy kind of dancing party but every single person you speak to you just cuts through everything because it's like we do have this in common but you know look at us it's amazing we're all here celebrating life in this moment like so Mm. yeah I think you can find your tribe and it doesn't have you know you don't connect just because of the type of cancer you have I think yeah there are obviously support is needed for each individual cancer for different things for instance like my cancer I've had a double mastectomy I've like to connect with people who had the same surgery as me similarly I guess with you you've had your surgery not that long ago it would be quite nice for you to to connect with people that have had that just to see you almost just want to see like how are you now like how Mm. how does recovery look so that kind of stuff I think is more from like a I guess a Dr Google point of view it's always nice to but I would say I haven't met one person that's had the exact treatment as I had with breast cancer. The exact really? Treatment. That's yeah. really interesting to hear because I, 
I know that's a bit naive of me or ignorant of me to expect, but I guess because all I hear for me is it's so unusual, we don't know, and is that the right route for treatment? It would just, you know, and yet it sounds like you have the same experience with... I think everyone's so individual. Even under breast cancer, there's so many different subtypes. You can have this one's fed by this hormone or this one's fed by this, or for me, mine's not fed by anything. They don't really know what it is. So, and I got an immunotherapy drug, which is relatively new for early stage breast cancer. I was really lucky. I was on the cusp of kind of it being approved. And so it meant that I was given my treatment back to front, which doesn't normally happen as well. So, you know, it's all these little idiosyncrasies and then to find somebody who then had your treatment and the same surgery and the same radiotherapy. And so Mm. it's individual, but I think you're just talking to anybody that knows the cancer well. This sounds interesting, this big event. It's a bit like how I felt when I walked into Maggie's centre. You know, I just knew that everyone in there, exactly right, like you say, you just cut through. There's just just, that, we're all here for the reason. Yeah. And, you know... I don't know how appropriate it is to literally turn to that stranger and go, so, you know, what have you got and how's it Basically, you, you know? that is kind of what the conversations do mm. go like. I just think it's a connection that is ultimately, you know, we know what it's like to face immortality. Is, it, is that what yeah. it is? You know, our, our mortality, our mortality, not immortality. And so... You're getting to that. You're getting to fears and vulnerabilities. And that does cut through because that's real life stuff, isn't it? And you can't really kind of waffle around the subject. No, and like, you know, when we briefly spoke last week, I told you I was nervous about results. I didn't tell my husband or my friends in that moment. You know, you almost, with people that get cancer, you just go straight to this, like, these are the fears. Yeah, you can hold that space for me. I can hold that space for you. We can. It's interesting, I think, because you know you were already in a space of connecting to strangers. Yeah. So I think you know you probably continued that very naturally. I'm still hovering in the kind of I'm not sure, like, and part of that is also about acceptance, you know, and saying I am one of these people. I am. I can walk into Maggie's and say I have cancer, or I could go to an event, or you know, I've just ordered. There's a brilliant charity called Cancer on Board, and I've just applied for one of their badges because you know, often you're in a situation. I mean, I've got a big massive scar on my neck at the moment, but people don't know, do they? People can't see it, and you might be feeling like you need to sit down on a train or something. So I think that those badges are brilliant, brilliant idea. And I think it's really important for anyone that is listening to know that there is no right or wrong way to do cancer, right? Like I've got, my older sister was diagnosed with ovarian cancer five months before me. She did not put any post out on social media. It was like her nearest and dearest knew and she just was getting on with it. And then there was me like, jazz hands like here I am at chemo again everyone you know it's we both faced it and it's like Mm. there's no right or wrong you can connect with thousands of people you might never want to talk about it to to anybody like yeah and I didn't know anything about bowel babe or so many of these influence weirdly my best friend said to me you know there are lots of people talking about cancer and what they're going through on social media and I was like what this was you know I was a couple of months into diagnosis I found that really interesting and yeah but I think you're right it's you know everyone's got a different way of dealing with it and whatever that way is is right for them but Mm. I think something that we touched on on our call I'm jumping ahead a bit but I just want to while we're kind of on this subject is that 
So for me, I was about to do a live radio, BBC Radio London interview, just as the news broke about Deborah. It literally broke. And then a minute later, I was live on air. And I never knew her. I didn't particularly, you know, I mean, you couldn't not know what was going on because by that time, there'd been so much news and coverage about her. But, and it was so, so emotional. It was so emotional. And the presenter was emotional. And, you know, I just didn't happen to be on my phone following. But what I'm saying is there are lots of those scenarios. And I know you and and Deborah were friends, but Mm. that's, I think so difficult isn't it like making all these friends and you've touched on it earlier being part of this community and seeing this happen around you and I find that very very difficult you know or people discover the cancers come back or and at the same time hearing people say yay I'm cancer free and you're going oh it's all right for you you know there's lots of different things there's lots Mm. of good and bad so how do you manage that oh um I've gone all goosebumpy because I would say, you know, it's this is the part of being part of a cancer community and connecting with people. You're faced with death way more. Like obviously Deb's death was very, you know, public and everything she did was unbelievable. And so, you know, a lot of people knew about her and stuff, but I would say there hasn't been a week that's gone by for I can't remember how long that somebody I've connected with hasn't died, especially recently has been a lot and it is it never gets easier. Also, I guess because people are sharing online and maybe the people I've connected with, a lot of these men and women are younger. That is something that I don't even know what the advice is other than that I have my own faith in that there's, there's more which has carried me through right and so I have that with my mum I have that so I that's my own personal thing of what happens but it doesn't change the tragedy of people are dying far too often far too young from all different types of cancers and these are people that especially when it's social media you're used to seeing regularly daily chatting to you and then there's a very big void I think that is the hardest bit of connecting in this community because it's not usual, I don't think, unless you're like a medical professional to experience death this much. Mm. And like the day I found out last week that my scare wasn't cancer, I found out that someone I know and love had cancer. So you are constantly, it can be, depending on where my headspace is at, I have to be really mindful of logging into Instagram because like you actually don't know what you're going to see whether it's going to be an announcement that somebody's cancer is back and they don't have long to live or somebody has died or the best side somebody's got great news and they're you know celebrating cancer free and all that stuff so it can be it's a very it's I think you have to be smart about it don't you I think you have to be smart whatever reason you are on social media I think it's relevant for anyone because yeah as we know you know there's good and bad and there are also people who are painting away a certain life that's not the case in all different communities do you know what even like I'll be the first to say I try and be as authentic as possible on there but I can't share loads of stuff loads of stuff goes on day to day in our lives that isn't ours to share and So I think everyone does have to be really careful about just, I guess, how they digest what people are putting out there to understand that, like, 
even if you're dancing, you know, dancing around and looking happy, if it's someone that is living with cancer, like there is so much that's not being shown. And so we just have to always kind of be yeah. smart. If we be... can be more compassionate to ourselves and to others, then yeah, it's yeah. okay. You talked a bit about the, you know, your previous blogging and how that was very much business focused. What, I mean, anyone on social media, but cancer patients can make a living, you know, um, this is part of your world as well with your career and my career pre cancer pre keep them quiet so what do we think about that because I sometimes you know I've seen all different sides to influencers making money I don't really think it's there's anything wrong with that it's a job it's you know there's lots of rules about how much transparency there needs to be when you're actually promoting something so that's okay but how do we feel about the brands that connect with those influencers? How do those brands, I know when we talked again off the podcast, you talked about collaboration. What's the difference when it comes to a brand working with a cancer patient versus a brand working with someone who is not got cancer on social media? I'll be honest. I mean, again, it goes back to just what we were talking about now, like if a brand's working with anybody whether it's cancer or not you don't know what's going on in that person's life vice versa you don't know what's going on in the person behind the brand's life so in general I think like there's not too many differences I think if somebody agrees to promote something a you tend to know if it's like an authentic collaboration that they like what they're promoting and I think if anyone has an issue with somebody promoting something or making a living through social media that is for them to have that issue like they don't have to follow that person right or anything like that being a talent agent before and the work that you do like for me I I see these people I've seen some of my friends get like backlash from doing some ads and in the cancer community and I'm just so astounded because like they put so much time and effort into writing posts that help people connecting with people building up this incredible following, why on earth should they not then promote something that they truly value and make some money? Like having cancer is hard enough to then like, I don't know, it blows my mind that there is a question around it. People have to move with the times and we live in a time where you can happen upon being, like you said earlier, and I kind of went, oh, I'm not sure about that. So we said we would talk about the word influencer. Some of my friends, would class themselves now as, I guess, cancer influencers because they built a following from being themselves, sharing about their cancer stories. Now, of course, a brand will see that you've got X amount of followers. That's good for a brand, especially if it's in a wellness world or something like that. Like, you know, if it's something really on, like lots of my friends do um, CBD and things like that, like that is something that they are using. Of course, it just... For me, it blows my mind that people would have an issue of it because they don't have an issue with somebody who posts their outfits all the time and then does brand partnerships with I think it's confusing. It's confusing for the audience to understand what is this platform for? Because, you know, a lot of audiences on there think that they are just looking at their friends or public figures and then they feel like, oh, hang on, I thought 
suddenly it's very direct kind of marketing. And I think yeah. it's like blurred lines there with what are these platforms for? Why am I going to them? It's not yeah. a clear cut. I used to put on the TV on ITV and an ad would come on. Okay, fine. No, I might that's watch true. It. Exactly. So I think, but it's a debate. Carly, yeah, yeah. I think it's a really interesting debate because. But even like influencers in general take cancer even out of the equation they do get stick for ads and i've seen like lots of my friends from like the mummy blogger world with really massive followings they'll give a warning they'll say like look an ad is coming up now so and i think that's probably the best way to navigate it right these people should not turn down x amount to promote something or earn a living if they are creating content anyway that is yeah. giving people I think the audience just want to know that authentically they're promoting yeah. those products which yeah. you know is up to if you want to follow that person that's what I mean if you follow someone and you get to know that person and like what they have to say then it works because then you trust them anyway so you would trust what they're talking about exactly but I love the debate I love it because I you saw me cringe I don't want to be I don't believe I am I wouldn't use that word for me. Yeah, you did. And I was like, oh, no, 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 don't, don't say that. And so you were like, I mean, we'll talk, you know, we'll play around with it. We'll say it. We'll talk about it. It's a funny word because I actually believe like everyone, even friends with zero, like very small followings, sometimes they'll be wearing something. And I'm like, oh, I like that dress. Like, so they're influencing me. We're influencing each other with every single conversation we all have, right? Like, exactly. But I do think when it comes to the brands, because that's the side that we don't see that as an mm. audience. And mm. I think that is a responsibility that we would hope brands have in a collaboration. You're right. If you don't have cancer, if you do have cancer, there's still a responsibility. But I suppose my question with the cancer side of things is let's assume that those brands are mindful of the fact that they might have an ad booked in for a day where that person doesn't feel very well. And has flexibility, right? Yeah, has, yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and I think any brand that wants to work with people that are living with cancer and in treatment with cancer, like that from the get-go is is going to be the understanding because I think it just wouldn't work otherwise. It wouldn't, yeah. Yeah. And it wouldn't be a collaboration. Exactly. Well, let's hope that they're hearing this. Someone <laughs> running a brand somewhere is hearing this and thinking... Okay, yeah, that's a really good point, and I take that on board, or they do yeah. already. Yeah. It's been so lovely to chat to you. Oh, and I've loved it. It's gone too quickly. Thank you. It's really lovely to chat. And thank you I so have much, to say Katie. a huge thank you to my very, very dear friend and our mutual friend, Jen, yeah. for introducing us. Because yeah, we, we love actually Jen. met outside of the cancer <laughs> through someone who's not connected to cancer. Exactly, which means that we're all connecting all the time, right? And I think just if we all keep talking and Jen, I absolutely love. We connected very quickly at the kids' party. So, yeah, thanks, Jen, for the introduction. Thank you, Jen. And Jen runs a very wonderful charity called Teddy's Wish, and people should check that out. Absolutely. Lovely to speak to you, and thanks for taking the time to chat to My me. My pleasure. Lots of love. Have a good That's day. Love. Bye. Bye. That was my chat with Carly Musa, who was just lovely. We've continued to kind of have a bit of a friendship, actually. You know, we kind of comment on each other's posts and stuff, which is really nice. And I'm sure in time we'll stay in touch and stay friends. So thank you, Carly, for coming on. And yeah, I think, like I said at the beginning, it's really interesting kind of delving into that world. And I think as with any world on social media, like there's good and there's bad. 
there are people playing out real life stuff and there are people who are sort of faking it a bit more. So you just have to be smart, like we said. I think you have to be, have your wits about you, be clever about when you choose to go onto social media, try and think about, you know, what time of day, how much you use it. I mean, look, I'm not here to preach about how to use social media. But I think for me personally, I have sometimes found it really useful to either connect other people with cancer or to kind of see how their life is playing out. And then other times I find it really, really difficult and really sad. It's basically just, it kind of triggers different mixed feelings But yeah, I think what I've said before in episode one, when I was speaking to Dr. Paul Hoang, is that I have found some of these Facebook groups to be really useful and to share information that can be really informative about either the type of cancer I have or the type of treatment that I'm going through. So for example, there is a group that was set up, especially for people with thyroid cancer, who are resistant to the radioactive iodine. And I think I'm one of those people. The reason I say I think is because I went for the radioactive treatment in isolation at the Royal Marsden in Sutton three weeks after my surgery. And unfortunately, that didn't actually work. So I spent three nights in isolation. I talk about it in season two. The scan showed that the radioactive iodine, which is commonly used to treat thyroid cancer, didn't actually go to the cancer and therefore was not effective. And so there's this group that's especially for people like me with thyroid cancer. And it's really interesting. And people share lots of different experiences and information. What I've done recently is I've had what's called the diagnostic radioactive iodine. And what that involved was going two days in a row to have a thyrogen injection. And that is to sort of stimulate the cells, I believe. I think that's right. And then you go sort of on consecutive days. Then on the third day, you go to have the radioactive iodine injection. And that is like a kind of light version and it goes around the body. And again, if that goes to the cancerous tissues, that's a really good indication that the radioactive iodine could work as a treatment. So you go back on the fourth day to have a scan. And I am now waiting for the results of that scan to find out, was that a successful sort of experiment, if you like, to then follow up and do the isolation again. Now, the difference now is that I'm back on the on trectinib. So there is an argument or a theory that suggests that being on the targeted treatment and going for the radioactive iodine might actually work. But I was able to go onto this Facebook group and kind of share my experience and discuss a little bit with other people, you know, where they are with that, trying that route, for example. So it works two ways, you know, hopefully I'm sharing something and they're sharing something back. So there are groups like that. I've mentioned the Ross Wonders as well, which is another Facebook group that I'm a part of. And actually, I've connected with someone on there who's going to come on as a guest. And there's also the thyroid cancer group. And that's another really useful group. So like I say, you know, there are some really good opportunities that 
come out of kind of engaging with the cancer community through social media. And there are some, you know, really good things about it. So yeah, if anyone out there is kind of thinking about it, then I would say that there seem to be these groups, different kinds of groups for different types of cancer and different kinds of types of treatment on Facebook. So be worth taking a look. And talking of social media, I am on Instagram, talking underscore with cancer. And I'm on Facebook. Um, I think it's just my name, Katie Phillips. And that's Katie with an IE and Phillips with two L's. And also I've got my website, which is talkingwithcancer.com. So get in touch. I'd really like to hear from you. Share your views on the podcast, any thoughts, any ideas, send them my way. And also it would be really great if you could go to wherever you listen to your podcast and write a little review about the show and rate us because that kind of helps it go up the charts and then other people can find it more easily. Thanks again for listening and I really look forward to seeing you again next week. Take care. Bye-bye.